Christ commanded us to preach the gospel and disciple the nations. All we do is in support of that mission statement. Join us as we strive to fight the good fight of faith together. Welcome to Warriors Rising. Hey, this is Paul with Warriors Rising. Glad to have you on the team. Glad to have you in the fight. We are here today, fortunately, with Tiana Shoei from Made to Conquer Podcast. How are you doing, Tiana? Good, Paul. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. I, I prefer to be more awake, but you know, hey, you, you get what you get. I So just so everybody's aware, really cool thing happened. I was awake at three o'clock this morning talking to a guy in Gambia that saw one of my TikToks, reached out to me. He's like, hey, I live in a Muslim country. My, my family is Muslim and I want to know Jesus. Like, what do I need to do? So we were talking back and forth and he gave his life to Christ and and like trusted in Christ. And it was, he, it was, it was so cool. Like he's all excited. He's like, I, I just feel different. And my heart feels different. It was, it was very, very exciting. But then in the process of that, for whatever reason, I, have you ever had it where you're like, I need to do something and just your brain's not making that connection. And it's like, oh, I just need to get up out of bed. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't do that. And I like, <laughs> I racked back out and like, I was, I was racked out till <laughs> like right before the podcast. I was like, ah, so the adenosine is still flowing very strong within my veins and brain <laughs> making me incredibly drowsy. Um, but that was just so exciting to see, you know, cause man, like you see God working, you see God moving and, and, and that's what's more exciting than somebody coming to Christ. That's, that's so cool. So it, it is. And it reminds me of a story with King David in the Bible where after he gets uh, his hand slapped for taking a census, you know, and, and, you know, God sends out the angel to, for the three day plague, because remember David had three choices as to how God was going to yep. punish. And so he stops over you know, a particular house and David goes to build an altar there to sacrifice to the Lord. And the guy whose property was says, I'll give it to you. And David says, I'm not, I'm not going to give anything to the Lord that costs me nothing. And so sometimes it's nicer that, you know, that this, that this opportunity that the Lord used you cost you something because it always means. That's very true. That's true. That was, you know, that's an interesting story because on a couple different levels, because, um, some, uh, those within the Reformed and Calvinistic community will look at that and say, see, uh, Satan tempted God or Satan tempted David, right? And then it says, well, God did it. Um, but on that on that part in First Chronicles or Second Samuel, I can't it's remember. First Chronicles, First yeah. Chronicles. And Second Kings uh, or one of those, but Second uh, Samuel. And because there's two accounts, right? One in First Chronicles, one in Second Samuel. And mm -hmm. the one says Satan tempted, one says God. Uh, but they always skip what it says about on the one God with God. God was angry with Israel. Mm -hmm. So so it's not like this was an arbitrary thing. Israel had done something to cause to in a violation of the covenant to bring God's judgment on them. And that was the means by which God allowed them to be judged. So it's not like, oh, Satan did it. Oh, God did it. See, it's no, 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 no. Like this, you're missing the whole point about like the sovereign will of God. And the fact, like, because that's what they'll push it towards, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, you're missing the whole point that it was out of judgment because they had done something. They had violated the law somehow. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, we're my, in our family, we're going through the Bible in a year and we are just finished. We're getting ready to finish Chronicles. And what's been very interesting to watch as you read through Samuel, as you read through Kings and you read through Chronicles, 
all of the chaos, all the rebellion in the nation against the Lord, you can actually go back and see how the seeds were sown even back in David's time. You know, Mm -hmm. what are you not supposed to do? Multiply wives. What did David do? He multiplied wives. You know, Samuel, he multiplied wives. He multiplied horses. He um, turned to other gods. And so you see- Saul, Saul, not Samuel. Or it's not Samuel. uh, Solomon. Solomon. Yeah, I was going to say, Samuel was a prophet. Yeah, yeah, Samuel was good. Sorry. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, Solomon. Solomon. You know, and so in in that, even those two initial kings, like you see the the seeds of rebellion and sin and idolatry and just not, ha- hey, we don't really need to follow the law. Right. You know, of course, there are some people that will say, well, that you know, those were never meant to be enforced. You know, there's this big fight on TikTok right now between me and Dan McClellan and, and, and like, you know, he's, I would say it's a fight between us, but like, there's been definitely some tit for tat. Um, but one of the things that he states is, you know, th- this stuff, those laws were never written to be enforced. They were just written during the time of the Babylonian captivity to demonstrate why they're going into captivity. You know, it's, it's, it's just utter nonsense. Um, cause, cause if you're a people group and you've been alive and then suddenly somebody just comes to you with these documents and says, Hey, we've had these for the last, you know, cent- like millennia, like everybody'd be like, huh? Yeah. What? Yeah. 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 Uh, I was not. Ra- oh, we've been raised with this. No, we haven't. You know, it's it's the, the what they ask you to believe within higher critical scholarship on these things. Honestly, it's absolutely insane when you actually step back. But we won't get into all that. But but it's very interesting to see that this the seeds of rebellion laid out even back there and then yeah. it go into full force down the line because. You can't tell me Solomon didn't see his dad doing those things and it right. affected him. You can't see tell me that Solomon's kid's son Rehoboam seeing his dad do those things didn't affect him. You know. Yeah. So It's funny you say that because I've been going through Deuteronomy and Chronicles parallel in parallel and I read Second Chronicles chapter two yesterday, and it's the dichotomy is there, but you would miss it if you don't understand what Deuteronomy says about the law of the king and what the kings yes. are supposed to do and aren't supposed to do. And it's it, you know when you when you when you read those two in parallel, it just kind of comes to life in an entirely different way. But in Second Chronicles chapter two, here you have this story where David is you know has given Solomon everything he needs to build the temple, and and then. You have this, you know, beautiful chapter about God says, Solomon, what do you want? I want wisdom. And so you see this beautiful spiritual setup. And then the very next thing is, and then he did everything that Deuteronomy 38 said, or not 38, yeah. but Deuteronomy said not to do, which is multiply wives, multiply horses. Yeah. And so you see this dichotomy laid out right before you. And it sounds, if you don't understand the context, it sounds great. Oh, Solomon's so prosperous, but it's actually a direct violation of what God told you yeah. know, the kings to do. And, and so, you know, I w- I've been listening to Chuck Missler's teaching on the book of Matthew, and he makes the point that when, when Jesus in Matthew chapter six is saying, not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like these, you know, that Solomon isn't being held in a great light in that picture. And, you know, we, we obviously have this, the Proverbs and the Song of Solomon from Solomon, and, and God did some great things, but Solomon was this deeply flawed man who walked away from the Lord later on in life, and like you said, eventually caused Rehoboam to go in one direction, Jeroboam to go, Jeroboam was not his descendant, right. Jeroboam to go in a separate you know, direction. And that's when we had the Israel Judah split. So, you know, this is why it's so important as Christians for us to, and you and I hammer this home all the time 
there is no secular and sacred within the Christian life. It's only sits, you know, it's only sacred. And this is one of the things that I've loved about the way of agape is that, you know, Nancy Missler really challenges you. What do you have hidden in the secret compartments of your life? Because that's what, this is what happens when you, when you, when you decide to compartmentalize yourself and say, I'm going to have these things over here that, you know, this is my little secret thing. God doesn't be involved in that. Um, That's what creates Solomon. That's what, and the implications of, you know, Solomon's sins to, to your point, Paul, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically everything from the prophets and all of those things are the ramifications of the sin of the leaders within, you know, Israel and Judah. So it, it's not insignificant. Secret sins are not insignificant. And I think the biggest lie that you'll hear from the enemy is one of two things. Did God really say? Yeah. And it's not that big of a deal. You can have this little thing on the side. Nobody's going to know about it. And it's like, actually, it ends up becoming quite a big problem. You know, not, nothing is hidden from the Lord, but also your kids see, right? And especially if your parents, like kids, kids are not dumb. They recognize the inconsistencies, you know, and that, and that's, and that's where you see on down the line, those seeds that were sown by Solomon, Rehoboam, all of them, like, <laughs> I mean, he worshiped foreign gods, you know? And, and so there you're, you're just setting up so many issues from the standpoint that you don't get to pick the consequences, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. I guess that's one of the big things that's, that's the roundabout way I said, as my still waking up mind is attempting to say <laughs> <laughs> um, that we get to pick the sin, but we don't get to pick the consequences. And that is a kind of terrifying thing when you sit and think about it, because those consequences is everybody knows, like can be pretty, pretty horrific and not just for us, but for other people. That's the thing. The sin doesn't just affect us. It affects everybody around us. It affects mm-hmm. our children, you know? So yeah, the, the, the lie, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas is a lie. Yeah. There is yeah. no such thing. And this is, you know, this is what Jesus was trying to say. Be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees. A little bit of yeast works, works its way into an entire batch of dough. And the same is true for sin in our lives. You know, we tell ourselves I can have this little bit of sin and it won't cause me issues, but Jesus made it painfully clear. Whoever sins is a slave to sin. There is no such thing as sin you can control in your life. If you are in active sin in any capacity, it is controlling you, period. You, the lie that you're believing is that you're somehow in control of that sin. And that's not true. And you know what I just realized? It's the 26th of January, 2024. I beat you to the date. Boom. Go for it. You're good. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't want to fight Come you on, for Paul. it today. Give me some fight. Give me some fight. Where's Not that today. fire? I don't Where's have it. Fire? <laughs> I don't have it. Don't. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Come on. But, um, holy fire cow. Them engines, cowboy. <laughs> I, that's why I jumped in the ice bath. I was hoping it would. It, it got me awake a bit, but yeah, gum. Um, so it's been a, but no, you, you brought up something about, I can't remember if it was when we, before, before my computer screwed up and we had to start <laughs> recording again. Um, but about this year, just being a very crazy year so far. Um, and I think everybody has an understanding that there, there's something coming. Um, mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how many Christians I've talked to that have said, I just feel like something's about to happen. I just feel like something's about to happen. Uh, my sister, she said back summer or the fall, she was like, I just, I had this overwhelming feeling of fear that something was about to happen. But then God was just like, hey, it's it's okay. And he, I just, she's like, then I had this peace just come over me. And multiple people have say, stated similar things. But then I was at a coffee shop here recently um, that I go to to meet people. And one of the girls she was telling me she wanted to actually meet and discuss faith and, and Christianity and stuff like that. Pretty 
amazing conversation that we got to have and definitely awesome that God used. There's a guy there who's a missionary to Africa who's him and his family are back here right now and they're prepping and just training and getting ready to go to a different part of Africa. So they're learning French, they're learning coffee because they're actually, one of the things we're going to be doing is doing uh, coffee stuff over there mm. as like a shop. And then that'll be a, an avenue for them to do mission work. It's, it's really, really cool. But anyway, so she was like, you know, you just, you seem very sure in your faith. Uh, he seems so sure. But, you know, and it's one thing to say, that's why I want to talk to you about it. She's like, I just have this overwhelming feeling something's about to happen mm-hmm. and I have to get this taken care of. And she mm-hmm. said it twice. And so I'm I'm sitting there, of course, you know, my mind like, funny, you should say that. Like of all the th- you know, of all the ways you could have phrased that. Right. You know. And then I I called this one guy who was on TikTok, uh, been off for a little bit, kind of rough go of things for since last summer. Um, I, I don't know his background as far as if he was in Hollywood or Wall Street. I know he was in something very, very specific and prolific. Um, that, and then he walked away from that to, because it was basically like, I've got to live for the Lord. Um, but his father passed away last year and then just, you know, struggling through that. And then he was on TikTok. He's like, you know, I just, I was realizing I I just had to do it. I had to, you know, I, I, I've got to post so I can get views. And it was just interesting to talk to him about that. So he walked away for the last two months, but I always enjoyed his, his post if they popped up when I was uploading my, cause when you upload posts will pop up like you have mm-hmm. to you have to watch it like it, mm-hmm. it's, it's on the screen and you're waiting for it to upload so uh his would pop if i would upload sometimes his would pop up while it's uploading mm-hmm. and it was just very encouraging stuff um but i talked to him and he said you know i just have this feeling that something terrible is about to happen and i'm like mm-hmm. so you know and and again it's i'm not this doomsayer like run for the hills everybody like no. the world isn't it's it's like the writing is on the wall and mm-hmm. in the spiritual realm, God, God is, God is God. I think in a sense, just spiritually preparing people like, Hey, something is coming. Yeah. Something is about to happen. Um, and if you look at our border, if you look at the mm-hmm. whole UAP situation, if you look at what's going on with China in our government, the Middle like East. It, it, the Middle East, it yeah. is just one giant yep. storm prepped and ready to go you know and and you know even we're gonna actually hit on uh this one guy at one point uh, we've talked about him before billy carson well billy carson was on the sharn ryan show uh recently and the reason that this is so significant billy carson's one of those guys he he you know christ consciousness mm-hmm. we're all we're all god and god is us and the we are age, god yeah. and, and and he is totally bought into the old gods like mm-hmm. he you know the epic of gilgamesh and all that stuff now, and you can say, oh, that's crazy. It's like, well, the dude has multiple millions of followers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Sean Ryan, he's a new Christian. And I understand the problem is he just exposed millions of people to this. You know, so those that aren't sure, those, because, you know, one of the things you're when you're dealing with the whole UFO, UAP thing, uh, that it, it is deception. We know it's completely demonic, but here's the thing. Stephen Greer has answered. Billy Carson has answered. Mm-hmm. And they sound dadgum good. Yes. But that's why they're so dangerous. Yep. You know? And then like Stephen Greer, they've had, you know, they've had people healed during these CE5 protocols, this, you know, meditation and remote viewing where they invite these entities down and they show up. It's like, well, yeah, they show up. Like we would call that demonic. Yeah. But yeah. You know, there, there's a reason that we are barred from doing these things as Christians. But, you know, 
like how how does how do you answer like whoa they you got healed well maybe it's not so bad mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. well, real, a, a demon or or you know fallen angels don't do that stuff it's like you have no level of understanding about the level of deception that they're willing to go or what they're going to do like you've got this pitchfork scary demon idea in your head exorcist a lot of times that's not how it works that's why the kundalinis when they're getting you see people in these kundalini awakenings when they're being possessed they feel amazing they love mm -hmm. it it's it's mm -hmm. an overwhelming sense of happiness and elation and it is Drugs. a truly yeah, yeah uh, incredible experience so you know it's just where this stuff is coming out to a point and and the wrong voices are the ones that are being heard and being very yeah. loud about it and like my buddy and i were talking and what's so frustrating is you know we're talking to pastors trying to about some of this stuff and be like hey mm -hmm. look this is coming out this is what mm -hmm. they're saying and they don't want to touch it they don't want to be that pastor that it's mm -hmm. like well you know what and, and i guess this is where i get really intense and angry about it because it's like you know what they're not quiet about it yeah. they're wide open full bore forward millions of people at the doorstep listening because they're willing to get out there and say what they believe these things are and what is going on guess what people are listening so yeah. the church better start having answers pastors whether you like it or not guess what people are listening to this so if you want to keep your mouth shut at this point you're just complicit yeah. You like, and, and I guess that's the thing. Like, you're going to be judged for the fact that you willingly allowed people to just hear the deception and not the truth mm -hmm. because you didn't want to be that guy. Yeah. Well, and to reiterate your point, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. And so, you know, to your point, Paul, we see the manifestation of Satan in some capacity in a very dark demonic way. We see that in the abortion movement. We see that in the transgender movement. We see that in some of these demonic rituals that are, you know, prevalent amongst our elites and society, Hollywood, music industry, etc. But then on the flip side, there's the angel of lights, you know, image that he presents as well. And, you know, this is why he takes God's concepts and bastardizes them like the love is love right no love yeah. is not love god is love and so yeah. you know as christians the discernment and wisdom to navigate this is important and i think we talked about touching on the occult and touching on this new age stuff next week in more detail just to kind of give you guys some some things to be aware of because the occult shows up not just in the things that you're talking about paul uaps and and the the strict new age movement but there are some quote-unquote christian you know, manifestations of the occult that show up in, in some of the hyper charismatic or hyper Pentecostal movements. And again, I say hyper, not all, yeah. but you know, the hyper and, and it, and it rears its ugly head. And, and, you know, the, the type of gentleman that you're talking about here on this podcast, you know, where they take Jesus and they bastardize him. Uh, but keep in mind that every, every fake version of Jesus is, is the occult, be it the Mormons, be it the Jehovah's witnesses, be it how the Muslims, you know, create a fake Jesus. And that's why we have got to be so conscientious to put our faith in the biblical Jesus and not in a made up Jesus. And by the way, made up Jesus can be your own imagination of Jesus that isn't a yep. biblical image. You know, I can't tell you how many people would say my Jesus would never. And I'm like, well, maybe your Jesus wouldn't, but the Jesus of the Bible sure as heck would. <laughs> so yeah. be on guard true. against Jesus. But there's something else I just wanted to point out as we get into the Psalms, the Psalm that the Lord, I just kept feeling was driving home to me there's there's going to be a scripture in there where it, it's clear that god says you know i i tell my i confide in my people what's coming 
you know, what's coming. And I think the reason that so many Christians and so many people are sensing that something big is coming is because the Bible tells us that those who pursue him, he lets us know, he gives us a heads up, he gives us a warning. And we're going to touch on that in the Psalm. And I think it's important. I think sometimes when God is speaking to us, you know, because we have unfortunately a prevalent doctrine amongst many churches that God doesn't speak to people anymore, which I, I pity Christians who believe that, you know, that that don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and how he, he speaks to us. Now, I'm not saying extra biblical stuff, uh, meaning yeah. that the Holy Spirit would never speak something to you that, that misaligns with his scripture. But, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to nudge you and he's going to put things on your mind and heart, either to pray for things or to do things. And and he's going to speak. He is going to speak to you. We, we serve a live, living, active God, and he speaks to us through his word. But, you know, he also also, we've all known that nudge from the Holy Spirit. So, you know, I think so, sometimes when we feel that sense and that nudge from the Holy Spirit, a lot of people shy away from that. And they question, is this, this can't really be God. This can't really be God. But I'm saying if if it doesn't go away, it really is God. <laughs> yep. If you can't if you can't escape it, and this is something that my dad taught me, you know, when you're listening to teachings, the things that don't go away are typically the things from the Lord. And so when you, when you have that teaching that sticks with you or you have that you know, that thing that the Holy Spirit just continues to remind you, hold on to those things because God's trying to get your attention with something and don't write it off as, as, you know, my imagination. And if you're questioning it's your imagination, write it down in a prayer journal, pray over it and ask the Holy Spirit to cleanse anything that isn't from him. And you'll be surprised what, you know, what's when all the sifting occurs, what is, what remains and what remains is typically the truth, especially when we pursue the truth, because God promises, Hey, look, seek me and you will find me, you know, when you seek me with all your heart. So my Psalm, is Psalm 10. And this was totally, given the things that we've been talking about, like this God, God just, it was funny because I woke up and I'm like, Psalm 10. <laughs> and I was mm -hmm. like, boom. All right. Thank you, God. <laughs> <laughs> but it says, why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. Let them be caught in the plots that they have devised. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. His ways are always prospering. Your judgments are far above, out of his sight. As far as for all the enemies, he sneers at them. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved. It shall never be in adverse. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. He sits in the lurking places of the villages. In the secret places, he murders the innocent. His eyes are secretly fixed on the helpless. He lies in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lies in wait to catch the poor. He catches the poor when he draws him into his net. So he crouches, he lies low, that the helpless may fall by his strength. He has said in his heart, God has forgotten. He hides his face, he will never see. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the humble. Why do the wicked renounce God? He has said in his heart, you will not require an account. That's, you know, that's, it's, man, I think of that and it's, mm -hmm. you see this on such mm -hmm. a large scale. God's, God, mm -hmm. God's not going to, I'm not going to have to pay for this, but you have seen for you observe trouble and grief to repay it by your hand to the helpless, to helpless commit himself. The helpless commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out his wickedness until you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations have perished out of his land. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear, to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the earth may oppress no more. That's a beautiful psalm, and it dovetails with probably, I would say, is my life psalm. It's that psalm that I just go back to all the time, which is Psalm 73. Yeah. And that's the psalm of Asaph. It's so, it's so much like that. And the scripture that 
I have on my watch from Psalm 73, you know, it goes through that same thing. You know, surely God is good, good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had, my foot had nearly slipped and I nearly lost my foothold because I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And, yeah. you know, Asaph goes on to talk about how they seem like everything's good with them. They always prosper. Why is it that the righteous don't prosper? And, you know, so Asaph said, you know, so in vain, I kept myself from sinning against you. And all this was oppressive to me until I interview of God. And then I understood their final <laughs> yeah. destiny. You know, Asaph is like, oh, I got perspective. I went before God and I got the perspective. These guys are going to be washed away. Like, like a terror, you know, like a dream, they will suddenly vanish. But, but those who put their trust in you, they will stand forever. And I love that Psalm so much because he goes through that entire emotional process we go through. Like it's easy to look at Hollywood and say, man, they're so prosperous. They're so wealthy. Why is it that the evil people always reign? Why is our, our government filled with these evil pedophiles and these mass murderers why 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 do the you know and you know find god i'm gonna do what you tell me to do but it's gonna be in vain because you know i'm really angry and then we get before god and we realize wait a minute i'm the only one who has an actual hope in future because i my faith is in god yeah and not riches right and that psalm ends with this scripture whom have i in heaven but you and earth has nothing i desire besides you and i mean boom that's what it comes back to so thank you for sharing that that's a beautiful so song. good yeah so good so, it's interesting. I, my 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 wife's cousin. He lives in Delray, and he always says, "You know, there's a lot of money down there, Boca Raton, all that. Like, you could never pay me enough money. You could not give me enough money to have their problem. Because even though they have a lot, a lot of people, you know, very wealthy, man, they they are not truly. They don't have joy. They mm -hmm. don't have peace internally. They are not, not all of them, but pretty much everyone I've ever met, miserable." Um, I actually got to run in these circles for a little bit because of a guy I was uh, discipling for a while. He was very much into the business masterminds, you know, a consultant for people that flip properties and buy you know, multi-million dollar apartments. And so, you know, he's in, he was in that whole positive movement. And so I got to meet people and, and through some of the things I've done consulting. And I tell you what, like the level of effort that they put in trying to maintain that. It is like, now I understand why you constantly are going to these masterminds and constantly pumping each other up and pump, because you have nothing. You don't have peace. You are the most miserable people. And you're just trying to almost like convince yourself. Yes. Like I am happy. Mm -hmm. Yes. I am positive. Yes. It, and it's like, and you're dying, yeah. you know? So it just, it that, that totally makes sense. But at the same time, like, man, I can't, I can't imagine how terrifying it's going to be. You know, you've done all of these things. And a lot of them, you know, in one sense, I'm sure have been exposed to the Lord in some way and just mm -hmm. rejected it, you mm -hmm. know. And so I, I just can't imagine what that's going to be like to to hit that day and then stand before the Lord and just suddenly reality hits in that instant. Well, Jesus tells us that story. It's, it's the story of Lazarus, the beggar and the rich yes. man. And so we know what their, that story looks like for them. And to your point, when when money is your pursuit, you there's never enough. And I saw a video that was very profound and it, and it spoke to this. And in the video, there's this skinny gentleman who walks into a diner and he orders 50 hamburgers. And everybody in the diner is looking at him like 50 hamburgers. And so one of the guys next to him says, I bet $100 you can't eat 50 hamburgers. And the guy says, yeah, you know what? You're right. Let's do 25 hamburgers and then um, let's do a 10 orders of pancakes. And so he just keeps adding to the order and adding to the order. And eventually he gets all this ridiculous amounts of food, eats it and eats it and eats it and finishes all of it. And everybody in the diner is just in awe. And it's because he had been cursed with the ability to eat as much as he want, but never be satisfied.
And, mm. and so he was always hungry. And, and that's exactly what happened, you know, with money is that it, we're exactly like that person. You, there's never enough and you just keep eating and eating and eating and eating and it's never satisfactory and you can't enjoy anything because you're still hungry. And that's the world without Jesus yeah. and, and why we are the salt and light of the world. I've, I've been reading, I think I mentioned, I've been reading Pastor Barry Stagner's book, this, the times of the sign. And he's just talking about, you don't, it's so hard to understand what a force the church is in the world right now. We are the salt and light and yeah. the world, you know, since, since the church's birth, the world has never known a place without the church. And so he's, you know, describing when the church is gone and the tribulation hits, you know, and he describes the second horse, the red horse that comes out and removes peace where men are given to kill each other. And, and he says, the Greek in that word is slaughter. They're going to butcher each other. This yeah. is the world without us in there. And it gave me so much appreciation for the body of Christ and what we do and the battles that we fight. And as we get into the news, we've got some good news, you know, as we are sticking to our guns about abortion and transgenderism and all these evil things, we are, there is a force of light at work. God is working through that. And we are, we are acting as the salt and light in the world. So we should not take that the way that God is using us for granted because it is a powerful force. Anyway, I digress. I'm I'm no, you're good. You're rabbit good. trailing. I've got my Psalm to read still. So. Go for it. All right. Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you, my God, I trust. Do not let me be shame. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. Surely none who wait for you will be put to shame. But those who are faithless without cause will be disgraced. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. All day long I wait for you. Remember, remember O Lord, your compassion and loving devotion. For they are from age to age. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my rebellious acts. Remember me according to your loving devotion because of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he shows sinners the way. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the Lord's ways are loving and faithful to those who keep his covenant and his decrees. For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the path chosen for him. His soul will dwell in prosperity and his descendants will inherit the land. This is the verse I was mentioning. This is Psalm 25, 14. Listen to this. The Lord confides in those who fear him and reveals his covenant to them. My eyes are always on the Lord, for he will free my feet from the mesh. Turn to me and be gracious, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart increase. Free me from my distress. Consider my affliction and trouble and take away all my sins. Consider my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with vicious hatred. Guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, because I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, from all its distress. Love it. There's so much, so, so many good things in all of this stuff. If you ever just go to the Bible, you know, you talk about being satisfied and like not been able to be satisfied with the text because it's like, it's just so good. Like, this is mm -hmm. so good. Mm -hmm. You know, and it, it's just interesting to me because. It's very easy. I was talking to a, a guy. He's a head of ministry uh, for this one thing in this youth uh, mission field, and they they do a podcast on called uh, "Things You Don't Hear in Church." Like, yeah, "Things You Don't Hear in Church" is the name of the podcast. Um, but I was talking to him yesterday, and it, it's amazing because from the standpoint that we can look out and see very, very grim 
but at the same time, like that satisfaction of the Lord in in the process of suffering, in the process of not knowing, you know. But as I was reading this stuff, prepping like as I was reading this stuff this morning, and then what's been going on on TikTok, you know, and and just in general. I know we talked about it last week, but you know, lines are being drawn. Yep. And Second Timothy three really came to my mind. Uh, that Walter Martin actually hammered this in his teaching on liberalism and how liberalism was invading the church mm-hmm. and the seminaries and how we were losing the seminaries to liberalism and higher critical scholarship. And the, there was a there was an actual most people don't know this mate probably, but like within Princeton and many schools and churches that were very orthodox at one time, you know, liberalism and higher critical scholarship came in and just decimated them. Harvard. Yeah, Harvard. Um, yeah. And, and and what most people don't know is there was an actual fight. Like it was a legit fight between those that held to biblical truth and the liberals. And the liberals always won out, unfortunately. But I think in a sense, it for me, as I, as I look at it, I believe the reason is because people that went with this stuff they had an understanding, at least on the initial, well, this allows me to live how I want to live and do the mm-hmm. things I want to do. And I can still yeah. claim to be Christian. Yep. You know, but in Second Timothy 3, Paul writes, know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemy, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, Brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, arrogant, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power from such people turn away. Mm-hmm. And so here we even see it. They have a form and, and the word uh, uh, having a form of godliness, uh, the word is ephsevia uh, in the Greek, and it means piety, reverence. So they have a form of our religion, they have mm-hmm. a form of our piety, but they deny its power. We see this on so many fronts right now because it is a it is a war. We are we are fighting for the truth of the text of scripture. We are fighting for the truth that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world. Like that is a fact. But it says that um we need to turn away from these people. Mm-hmm. We need to turn away from them. But then he goes on in chapter four, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears from the truth and be turned aside to myths. Mm-hmm. And that word in the Greek is mythos. So it literally means myths. And so it's literally saying, what's he saying? Like, look, they're going to become along people. They seem to be pious. They seem to have a form of our truth and our religion, but they deny its power. Mm-hmm. And that here, these people, ultimately, these teachers, in a sense, you could say that teachers and leaders are going to be raised up because they give the people what they want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And f- based on that, people are going to turn away from the truth and they're going to follow after these myths. So for an example, right, in academia, what is the, I- I- at least here in America, right, the 
Deuteronomy and those that that was just propaganda made by the Jews to explain why they're going into captivity. Uh, Moses didn't really write the Torah. It was, you know, these dis, <laughs> di, disparate, these different sources, and it was a copy and paste job. Now, one of the things they they talk about evidence all the time. And, and mm-hmm. if you don't think that this is a big thing, again, I'm going to say like, if your children go to school, mm-hmm. if they take any classes, any classes on Christianity or scripture, they are going to get exposed to higher critical scholarship. And in the yes. majority of places, it is going to be taught as the most true. Now, but but the thing is, though, is you, as you listen to the talk, it's like they cannot actually produce these sources, right? So they would say that Moses, the excuse me, the Torah came from multiple, like four sources. Well, they can't, and and then they basically take the text over a cheese grater. They look at words, they look at phrases, senses, and they break this up, and then they develop. They've actually gone back, and then they take this and say, okay, this these are the sections that should have gone together, and that, well. There is no way you could actually ever go back, look at a text, and then tear it apart and say, okay, this was the original. Like Basically take the five books of Moses, separate it into four different documents, cutting apart sentences and paragraphs, and then actually know, oh, for sure, this is what it originally was. That's an impossibility. Yeah. We have yeah. no history of this. There's no empirical evidence. This this literally is a theory that was developed, and the initial foundations of the theory have all been proven wrong. Yes. But, and, and that's something that but that's not what you're going to hear. No. Right. And <clears throat> so again, it, I, I say all this to say with great intensity, like there is a war for the hearts and minds of the people and our youth and our children. And it is only going to continue to get more intense. Yes. You know, I, I know I bring up TikTok. Dan McClellan has 680,000 followers. That is almost three quarters of a million people. And that's when you look at the number of, of views that he has, but but you know, and that's just Dan McClellan. You're not mm-hmm. talking the 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 numbers of instructors in university. Mm-hmm. You know, Bart Bart Ehrman and many others, uh, Fishbane, all these guys. You know, mm-hmm. the, these people have mass impacts on the youth and within academia. But to your point, Paul, I I, I, I want to pause here and I want everybody to hear what I'm about to say. Parents, go to the website Patterns of Evidence. He's a Christian filmmaker. Get all of his films, A, because it's a great cause you're supporting, but B, your children should be watching them and you should watch them with them and start them young and watch all of those patterns of evidence films. Because what Paul's talking about, this filmmaker does is he goes and he interviews all of these higher, you know, higher uh, critical scholars, and then he brings the Christian perspective to refute it. So he lets both conversations play out in his documentary, but he points out the, the evidence that refutes it. So that way, as your children are exposed to this stuff, they have been educated in what the other side of the argument is. And it's a, he's a phenomenal filmmaker. I learned about him from Frank Turek. And he covers all of that stuff in depth. Patterns of evidence. Amazing, amazing stuff. And yeah. he covers, you know, all of the, they said that there wasn't writing in the time of Moses. And then he goes back and finds all of the archaeological evidence. And he goes, he does a lot of this in Egypt. He does a lot of this in the Middle East. So he does a lot of his filmmaking with scholars in the actual locations of where these debates can incur or occur. So I strongly encourage you to start getting your children exposure to that. But, you know, to your point, Paul, Harvard was a Bible college. It was meant yes. when it was founded to trained pastor. Yes. And, and you know to your the, the point that you're making is that all of these false teachers and all of these false ideas appeal to the sin nature of mankind whereas the truth it it pierces our sin nature it affronts it hurts our sin nature and so be be conscientious of the things that make you feel good but aren't true because that's the difference is that that god's word will pierce it's i mean the the scripture right above what you just read all scriptures god breathed 
and useful for instruction, for conviction, correction, and for training in righteousness. And so it's, it's meant to be uncomfortable. God's word should be uncomfortable, whereas these other alternatives bring comfort and they, and they appeal to that sin nature. But the most important thing Jesus reminded of uh, this, of uh, you know, reminded us of this, which is broad is the road that leads to destruction and narrow is the road that leads to life. We should be on the least popular path. And so it shouldn't surprise us that the majority goes down the broad path because it's appealing to their sin nature and they aren't interested in the truth and they aren't interested in dealing with their sin nature and the death that all, all of us are reeking with, you know, until we are given new life in Jesus Christ. So it should not be a surprise to us that Dan McKellen is more, you know, more popular than you, Paul, because people want that because it tells them that I'm okay the way that I am, whereas you're coming and saying you're dead and you need to recognize the death within you and the disease that you're dying of. And one is appealing to humans and one is not. J, you know, J.G. <clears throat> Machen, he was a great Presbyterian minister. He he was kicked out of his seminary because he fought the liberals till they kicked him out. And then in his uh, denomination, he fought them until they kicked him out. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> so it is cost... This, this is not a new fight. This has been going on for the last 200 years, or really 100 years. Yeah, yeah well, 2000. Yeah, 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 very false true. False teachers of the, I mean, very, the, very the true. letters of the church in Ephesus. You found those who claim to be apostles, but are not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so so this this is not a new fight, um, but it, 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 it is here. And, you know, especially what's going to be very interesting to see, again, as, as this year plays out, what occurs because we know something's about to happen now whether this is on a large scale whether it's something significant on a small scale we don't know you know and this is this is as i talk to my buddies uh still in the intel community you know that's the frustration of intel you can read the tea leaves you can make your your projections based okay based on this pattern and all this stuff we're seeing like we think kind of this is going to happen around this time period but the only confirmation that actually that you were right is that it happens yeah you know, so, um, but I, but I think that we are hurtling, hurtling towards the end. You know, there's still many things that have to happen. We still have to go to a global system. We still, but, but we are just like, we took, we took <laughs> off the brakes and said, let's go. We're going to, screw it. Let's, let's have it. But well, speaking of global system, one of our headlines has to do with something the Pope announced. So, oh, I yeah. I think we're going to start talking about some of those things that are hurling us into <laughs> the things so, the Bible warned us were coming. Pope Francis, and, and this is goes to Daniel 7. Daniel 7, if you study Daniel 7 and Daniel 2, you will get a whole, the whole list of Gentile empires leading up to the end. Mm-hmm. And after the Persian, Babylonian, Greek, and Roman, Rome, uh, we see the two legs. And mm-hmm. so Rome in the 300s, uh, really is about 300s when it really significantly went to that east-west balance of power. Yes. And since that time, even though it's kind of shifted, we've always since then had an east-west dual-sided balance of power mm-hmm. within the world. Then it says we go to a global system. And then from there, it divides into 10 regions with 10 leaders. And then an 11th arises. And that 11th is who we usually call the Antichrist. Um, so there is still things that have to occur before this actually takes place. Now, we do know, obviously, this can happen incredibly. Mm-hmm. Like there, it, it, it's amazing how much stuff can shift. But Pope Francis advocates for powerful global government not subject to changing political conditions. This is on LifeSite. Francis, new, uh, Francis, Pope Francis, new climate document uh, la, la dot doom 
what okay i don't know how to pronounce that dangerous come on get your latin i don't i don't don't speak (laughs) latin dangerously asserts the transference of moral authority to the atheistic globalists who serve not god but the prince of this world stated michael hitchborn vatican city in his new apostolic apostolic exhortation on climate change la pot dum pope francis has issued a striking call for a multinational or global government that would be independent of changing conditions in the world highlighting his desire for a supernatural body to ensure that climate change measures are implemented. Pope Francis wrote, the issue is that they, unspecified global organization, must be endowed with real authority in such a way as to provide for the attainment of certain essential goals in this way. There could come about a multi multilateralism, big words, that is not dependent on changing political conditions or the interests of certain few and possess a stable efficacy. The papal comments come halfway through his newly published, headgum this word, which comes eight years after Laudato Si and forms a second part to that first ecological text. Writing about the weakness of international politics, Francis highlighted multilateralism. So again, what and it's Andy Woods. If anybody hasn't checked out Andy Woods, it's been interesting. Andy Woods is a pastor of Sugarland Bible Church. He's the um, president of Schaefer Field, Schaefer the- Francis. I think it's Francis Schaefer Field Theological Seminary. Um, and he has been talking for a while about how they're going to bring in the global government based on climate change. They're going to appeal to that, and that goes back to the Earth worship and all of that. So this is there. We have this call in Agenda Twenty Thirty. And now the Pope obviously calling, hey, we need a global government to protect us, to Mm -hmm. save us. And many Bible scholars believe that the woman writing the beast is the Catholic Church. Yes. And, you know, I I think when I first heard that 20 years ago, I was like, what are you talking about? And then you read this, you're like, well, they might be very right about that, (laughs) given the fact that the Pope is the one pushing for the one world government. I think a little bit out of order of what we have written, I think you know, touching then on on the seven most outrageous moments of the World Economic Forum is probably dovetails nicely with that. And then we can um, yeah, get go some for of the other news stories because, you know, again, one of the other entities that's hel- helping usher this in is the World Economic Forum. And just as a side note, it, this isn't in the news, but I saw a video clip of Yuval Harari, who is kind of the, he's he's the Israeli guy who's kind of the, you know, pinky in the brain, he's the sidekick. And he he went on a, a monologue about how humans have no, that, that, that um, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created, that's all made up, that yeah. humans have no indic right or value. And it was just, I mean, it was like, I, I was, it was like, if it weren't for his human skin, I would think I was listening to a demon talk. It was absolutely one of the most demonic things. But from Prophecy News Watch, so this is a summary of the seven most outrageous moments from the World Economic Forum. A pagan ritual, the 2024 Economic Forum became a coming out party displaying the WEF's love of paganism. WEF concluded its Wednesday forum on climate by nature by inviting a sh- shaman to Sean. carry out a Shaman, thank you. I was like, I know I said that wrong. <laughs> Shaman, <laughs> to carry out a pagan ritual for the healing of the planet because the healing is spiritual. And so it was a very demonic, you know, pagan practice. So that was number one. Number two, a digital ID to track your whole life. One of the elitist central conceits is that they have the right to survey every aspect of their subjects' lives for their own good. One invaluable tool in the effort is a mandatory identification card that puts as much information as possible at the government's fingerprint. As noted during the WEF's Thursday panel on financial inclusion, Queen Maxima of the Netherlands, whose grandfather is Prince Bernard of Lif Besterfield, co-founder 
of the Builder Group in 1954, I have Bilderberg Group, I have no idea what that means, urged governments to adopt a ubiquitous ID card that is digital and biometric. So of course, you know, they're going down that road. This one's great. A global tax, true government, true global governance requires money and authority. And the WEF discusses measures that would expand both at your expense. One speaker at the 2024 World Economic Forum advised that global bodies impose not one, but two global taxes the entire world. Let's start taxing carbon, advised International Secretary General Agnes Calamard at Friday's WEF panel on the global risks. She added that government should enact not just a carbon tax. The UN General Assembly has adopted a resolution on the necessity to have a global tax regime regime so that actually we can raise the money required for all the UN's proposed changes. Let's tax the corporate interest. Shocking. So number four, let's, just, sorry, let's go just go with this for the first thing we have, right? The pagan ritual. So the fact that they are having a pagan ritual to close it out, right? This, this demonstrates the truth. I mean, they always reveal their hand. And yes. part of that is because they, they know they can't, right? Um, it's kind of like Richard Lewinton when he admitted, hey, us scientists uh, and within the scientific community, we we are willing to ignore failed theories. We're willing to ignore all the craziness that we posit in science because our first loyalty is to materialism, you know. And so he felt safe enough to be able to admit that. So the fact that they're able to do this and they're they're willing to say hey, this is a pagan ritual, right? It, it demonstrates one that this truly is spiritual, and two, mm -hmm. they don't really care because they know it's not a big deal. Nobody's going to say anything and call them on it. And you know, obviously, we've talked about the digital ID, and this is where you know a lot of us believe cryptocurrency is going to have a play due to what it actually is and the technology and how it works and how it is able to if you establish that net your if you put the central bank digital currencies on that, then Blockchain. they're going to be able to do everything that they're wanting to do here. And then obviously this um, this global tax, who doesn't who doesn't want to pay more money to the government? Right, right. Well, it's how they keep you enslaved. Yeah. 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 Should I keep reading the last yeah, go few for points? It. Okay. So number four, efforts to force social media companies to yield to government censorship. Most Americans felt outraged to learn U.S. government officials secretly flag social media posts and accounts for companies to throttle, fact check, or delete, an action which has the appearances of violating the law. But then WEF attendees are not like other people. WEF's panel on protecting democracy against bots and plots complained that social media titans face scrutiny and sought for ways to force companies to comply with free streets free speech restrictions so obviously when it comes to the censorship you know free free thought is not a good thing when you're actually trying to implement a tyrannical system <laughs> just <laughs> simply put and that's the where social media and that's obviously and everybody that listens to this knows this that's why they hate the fact that musk took over twitter because he's allowing the he's allowing anybody to really say whatever they want and when you allow those ideas and that stuff to come out, then people can actually expose what's going on. You know, they can mm -hmm. talk about the government. They can talk about the truth about what our government is doing. And that's what they don't want because then they can't bring in their plans for power. Yeah. Well, and it's been fascinating since the bird was freed, how many conservative values have started to win 
and how much progress we've made in the conservative arena since we've had a yes. voice again. It's really yes. been phenomenal to watch. You know, I know we're talking a lot about all the quote unquote doom and gloom, but I would say on the other side, there's some new stories we're going to hit that are very positive. And you can see the fact that finally we have a stage again and a voice, how much influence we've had. So continuing on, <laughs> speaking of which, point five goes straight into that. Number five, reigning in Donald Trump and U.S. sovereignty. Although the environs of the annual Davos conference lack no conceivable amenity, a persistent discomfort pulls through the 2024 WEF, the possibility that Donald Trump will beat Joe Biden and Michelle Obama. Uh, so that's who's actually going to This November, to compensate, multiple speakers discuss the joys of circumventing democracy and hemming in Trump or any elected leader who represents the average man instead of the Davos man. So they're afraid of the orange man bad. I, I don't know. I'm not convinced that Michelle's going to run. So we'll see. I'm being we'll sarcastic. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. I mean, it's is it going to be? Is it going to be Joe Biden? He. I. I just don't. Think I don't know be. how. I don't yeah. know how. I, I don't. I don't know if there's enough methamphetamines to amp that dude up to that point. I no. do know because they didn't they talk about how they're going to be completely removing. Like he's not going to be. Um. Don't know what's the word. Debating. Yeah. No, he can't. He can barely he can barely form a coherent sentence to do a speech, let yeah. alone debate. So, I mean, is it going to be Newsom? Is it going to be Michael? I mean, Michelle Obama? Is we'll it going to be? Yeah. I mean, it's we'll uh, I'm being sarcastic, but yeah, we'll see is a good one. Um, but mark mark my words. And I don't think anybody is if unless something insane kicks off in our right. in our country. And then they're like, Michelle that's Obama. that a nuke comes off, uh, even something small, like a small explosion of some kind like it. We do not know. No, no. And, and believe me, they're going to do everything in their power to keep Donald Trump out of office. If that means martial law, if that means civil war, if that means these sleeper cells waking them up, uh, they're going to do everything they can. He's scared. He scares them. Yes. He's, he, he, anyway, um, number six, the WHO lockdowns and pushing the green agenda to preserve health. Davos officials made it clear that public health measures will play a role in their plans, despite some of the most prominent considerations proving counterproductive. World Health Organization Secretary General Dr. Tedros Ghebreyesus uh, <laughs> <That's laughs> weird. I, I have no idea how to say that. Refused to answer Canadian journalist Andrew Lawton's question about whether he would reject lockdowns as a public measure for future pandemics. And we have an article about that coming up. And then seven pushback. Despite bad ideas pervading and the and every world economic forum, this year's Davos conference featured notes of dissent. Perhaps eyeing the reality of a Donald Trump presidency, the WEF invited some bona fide conservatives to speak, cramming them mostly onto the same panel on Thursday. <laughs> get get them out there, get them to speak quick. Nobody's really going to listen. So, <clears throat> you know, it, as Alex Jones, when he was on Tucker Carlson, talked about, you know, because Tucker was like, how <clears throat> it's crazy the the number of predictions that you made that have came true. It's like, look, I just read what they said they were going to do. I read the timeline that said we're going to do it, and so I said, hey. They're saying they're going to do this. And then boom, they did it, you know, <clears throat> and it's 2024. I mean, back in 2000, I don't think any of us would have thought that this all was coming like this, you know, and mm -hmm. the shaping of the world. But it's it's even in the last four years, you know, it, we had a, a mass ramp up, obviously, you know, there was a lot that went on and then it's kind of lulled, right? So we've been in this period of there's there's been this kind of like slowdown period of, of, of waiting. But I think that this year definitely um, there's a lot of things that are going to be starting to kick off again uh, within the next six to 12 months. Um, but that, we're, like you said, the World Health Organization pandemic agreement paves way for turnkey totalitarian state, says FRC expert. And this is on the Washington stand. 
The Secretary General of the World Health Organization has warned the world could miss the deadline to ratify a new pandemic according accord a new pandemic accord expanding the World Health Organization's authority, which is what we all want. They just I want to make sure <laughs> I'm healthy. Meanwhile, pro-family advocates have formally told the Biden administration they fervently hope the agreement will never be adopted. I'm concerned that member states may not meet the May adoption date of the WHO pandemic agreement, said Secretary General Tedros Adhano Ghebreyesus in Geneva Monday. That would suit uh, that would suit its opponents just fine. We call on Health and Human Services to reject the draft agreement in its entirety and reconsider the need for a pandemic agreement. The draft agreement cannot be salvaged. Family Research Council told the Biden administration the same day. The Family Research Council cited numerous concerns about the agreement, which would transfer one-fifth of all U.S. supplies, one-fifth to the World Health Organization, encourage government separate censorship of misinformation, and formally announce that human health is no more important than animal life in a formal comment discouraging the Biden administration from unilaterally acceding to the accord. Yikes. That is rather terrifying. Yeah. Not going to lie. Um, I, I agree with you. One story that we didn't hit, but I think we can just, we don't have to read the story, but hey, uh, right now, 25 states are back in Texas for protecting our border. All I got to say is yeehaw, go Texas. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so this is, and this kind of goes into, in a sense, all of these, right? Mm -hmm. What would lead to a global system? What would allow for a global system? I mean, something pretty chaotic has to happen. Now, mm -hmm. obviously, one of the things that many people have pointed out is the US has to fall or get so weak that it, it just has to submit to a global system. Um, we are in a soft civil war. Like that, there's there's no way around it. And that's not just me saying that. I know Joe Biden or not Joe Biden, uh, Dan Bongino and many others uh, within Intel community and within uh, different areas have all stated, look, we are in a soft civil war. That is what is going on in Texas. Um, and it's very important if, if you're not watching Texas, you do need to keep your eye on it because obviously the Texas governor kicked out the um it's the border patrol the, the border patrol but now like they're they're really actually like again you got guys with guns against guys with guns you know <clears throat> so it, it is it is there is a lot of uh heat around this issue and it's kind of one of those things that we don't necessarily know how it's going to end mm -hmm. um but this this is you you have a government who is attacking openly a state mm -hmm. for for practicing and upholding the constitution and their and right to defend themselves <laughs> yeah so it's 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 not going to be fun and we do have a video um you can look it up on rumble that we'll i would highly recommend yeah, yeah we'll put a link to it uh and it's an iranian illegal alien uh he is not he's like i'm not muslim i'm agnostic um but He's an Iranian illegal alien. So he came over, he flew into Turkey, went South America, then came up and they're interviewing him for about five minutes. And he's talking about the things that he's seeing and why even him as a guy who's coming in illegally says, this is dangerous. Like this is crazy. So it, it is well worth um, the, the, uh, the, the five minutes to watch what he says there. Um, Don't buy the lie that these are you know, that these are people seeking sanctuary that might yep. account for a small 
portion of what's happening, but there is a ton of human tra- human trafficking, especially especially child sex trafficking occurring. Yes. And then those that aren't being sex trafficked and human trafficked are coming here to fight a war against us in our streets. Like Hence this is why they are military be- age males. Yes, yes, exactly. And so this is this is what that that Iranian that you talked about mentioned. And then we have a news story that I don't know that we have time to get to because I would like to get to some of the good news. Uh, we have a news story that, you know, basically says there's there's they're planning an attack on the United States. And I watched a video this morning where two boatfuls of illegal immigrants pulled up on a beach in La Jolla, California, and they just scatter and they disappear before anybody can show up and arrest them and detain them. So this is happening all over our country and we've got we've got these people spread out in our country now the good news is they're primarily in blue states so <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> for those of you blue staters i'm sorry to tell you y'all not in a good position come join us in the red we got we got uh we got guns we got country music oh i just say thank you for your charity food. <laughs> Thank you for yeah. being so charitable. So I don't have to be. Yeah. <laughs> Illinois is asking people, you know, open up their homes, Illinois and, to, and New York, open up your homes to these people. It's so what insane. What could possibly go wrong? What could so possibly insane. go wrong? All well, right. One of the, uh, just one thing on that. I did see a video um, in France, I believe it was. And they were talking about the, the locals were talking about the, just the problems, like the violence mm-hmm. and stuff that has happened. Mm-hmm. And these people don't care because they don't have to like, um, and some of them will rent to these migrants and they'll have to kick them out. And then they just destroy, they, they mm-hmm. do, they destroy the property. Um, so it, it's, it's, it is not a good situation, but on the good news we have behind the curtain, Trump's exponential power surge. Um, Trump is not the answer. He is an answer, mm-hmm. right? He's, he's better than what we got. Uh, but obviously, and this is what I talked with the other guy about my buddy about the other day that Trump is not the Messiah. Right. The, this, no. this is all a, a symptom of the spirit of our nation and our rejection of God, just plain and simple. Um, but he can't he he is a, a part of the solution. Right. Mm-hmm. At least a step, a step in the right direction, uh, like him or hate him. Um, something shocking and telling has unfolded beyond Donald Trump's on stage, online and courtroom theatrics. He's running a professional, well-managed, disciplined presidential campaign. His 2024 operation is more sophisticated, dare we say traditional, than the slapdash improvisation of his White House and two previous runs. It matters because Trump likely will wrap up the nomination in record time with almost universal GOP establishment backing. If he were to win and run the White House like he has his campaign, he could reshape America and its government more quickly and in more lasting ways than he did during his first term. Winning the nomination fast and decisively speaks only to his power with the activist GOP. Exit polling showed lots of New Hampshire Republicans won't vote for him, especially if convicted. But his hand is a, is a lot stronger than most expected a year ago. Between the lines, many top Republicans assume that after the Capitol riot, no, sensible, no one sensible would go near him. The campaign would be fringe and cringe. Instead, Trump has rolled up the party even tighter than he did when he was first president. Now, one of the things, obviously, to notice with Trump, and this is, you know, I go back to things that he'd done, right? He did amazing things for our economy. He did amazing things for cutting down, slashing regulation. Um, but also, you know, the main thing, he supported Israel. Yes. You know, yes. He, he was the first president, every president prior to him for over 20 years said, we are going to move 
the embassy to Jerusalem and recognize that as the capital of Israel. They all mm -hmm. said it. Mm -hmm. He was the only one to do it. Every mm -hmm. everyone else broke their problem, broke their promise. Um, so <clears throat> that is a just on that end, his support of the nation of Israel, the right to the land, the right to Jerusalem, the right to exist, you know, that is a massive and, and here's the thing. What happened after he did that? That that mm -hmm. was when if you track, if you go back and look, when he did that, that's when the explosion of the economy happened. Yep. Like he was doing steps and things prior to that. But when he did that, that's when you saw the floodgates open economically yep. right after he recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. So that whole Abrahamic covenant, it still stands and it is demonstrably true. It, you know, I, I think Chuck Mises says it the best. I'm neither a Republican or a Democrat. I'm a monarchist and I serve a coming king. Yep. You know, as Christians, we're always voting for the lesser of two evils because the only the only perfect politician will be Jesus when he's seated on his throne during the millennial kingdom. And so, no, we cannot condone everything that Trump does. But at the end of the day, he is a force for primarily good in in the world, and yeah. he you know upholds many conservative values. Not all. I, I don't care for his stance on abortion, and I think that's a very important stance. But you know, if we're going to stem the tide of evil in our country, I think he's probably the most likely candidate that is able to do that. So I, I think it's just it's good to see the the conservative movement gaining traction. I think that's really the heart of the story. Is look, we're we're coming together, we're gaining traction, we're pushing back against these dark, evil things. And a lot of good things have been done. We're starting to shut down some of these surgeries for kids are starting to be shut down by different states. Yes, You know, we're seeing 25 states unite behind Governor Abbott to stop the tide of illegal immigrants into our country. There, there, There's a lot of good stuff happening in our world. And this is just meant to highlight that, look, there, there is positive. And then the last story that I thought was great news is that the LA Times slashes newsroom as paper struggles under billionaire owner, Sacramento, California from Politico. The Los Angeles Times on Tuesday laid off at least 115 people, including about a quarter of its newsroom, in a stunning second round of major layoffs in less than a year that underscored broader challenges facing the news business. So look, guys, these fake news corporations are losing money. They're shutting down because people are tired of being fed BS. And yeah. so, you know, I just want to remind you guys that yes, there's a lot of evil out there and there's a lot of horrific things happening and the battle is far from over. And as long as we, the bride of Christ, are here as the salt and light, we must, we must continue to be salt and light in, within the culture because we are, it's working, it's effective. Maybe not to the degree that we want it to be, but man, I, 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 I can tell you what, if we had God's perspective, it would be very different. We would feel and think very differently about what's happening in our world. And, and we're, we are starting to make an impact on the culture and i don't think we need to lose sight of that so for all of you out there who feel like you know that conversation you had with this person or that person didn't go anywhere keep having them we live in a republic which means that we have to have conversations with each other about tough things we have to be willing to talk about the differences and the way that we think we have to have the dialogue of ideas because that is how this nation was founded charlie kirk reminds us there's only two ways to rule people by force or by influence and our government was set up by influence so we have to take the time to have that those conversations with each other so influence can still be the thing that wins the day all right got your b i got my b usually you're the one asking me yeah should i go first no i'll take mine 
Uh, okay. Ted Cruz grows out mutton chops in preparation for civil war. And the picture <laughs> is absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> in Texas, tensions have escalated dramatically between the federal government and the Lone Star State as illegal immigration continues unabated at the southern border. Following the Supreme Court's decision in favor of the Biden administration, right, the administration's right to remove razor wire placed by Governor Abbott's National Guard, Texas Senator Ted Cruz grew out mutton chops in prep for civil war. I do declare that the federal government has overstepped its authority, said the <laughs> Texas lawmaker to a crowd of armed Texans as his extravagant side sideburns jiggled dramatically with each drawling syllable. Oh, I love it. I, I typically love the political Babylon bees because they're so good. Like Supreme Court rules it's illegal for National Guard to guard nation. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Amy Coney Barrett says ruling for open border has nothing to do with landscaping work she needs done this summer. <laughs> but this time I decided to go with a Christian one because we got to We got to sometimes take short you know, small jabs at each other. So uh, being a Calvary Chapel girl and growing up where we wore jeans and t-shirts to church, this one really hit home. Embarrassing, Baptist man shows up to heaven in a suit while everyone else is just wearing Hawaiian shirts and sandals. <laughs> <laughs> heaven, the multitudes gathered in glory were hushed into awkward silence today as a newly arrived Baptist man showed up in a suit, even though everyone else in heaven was wearing Hawaiian shirts and sandals. The man had hoped to enter heaven looking his best as an act of worship to the Lord, but found him found found himself feeling vastly overdressed after seeing everyone else dressed in far far more casually than you would have anticipated. Oh, you've got to be kidding me, the man sighed as he entered through the pearly gates and saw what appeared based on everyone's attire to be some sort of luau. Everyone here is basking in the glory of God, and this is how they dress? I thought for sure heaven would have a tighter dress code than this. Looks like there's a slacker convention. It looks like a slacker convention if you ask me. Do they even read the King James around here? <laughs> oh, sorry. Couldn't resist. Oh, Being a Calvary Chapel girl, you know, flip-flops and Hawaiian shirts were the cult church culture I grew up in. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for joining us today. Greatly appreciate you all. It, it is, I appreciate you all sticking with me because it is, it, is, it, is it is not an easy morning for me. Um, but uh, anyways, you guys are awesome. Thank you for giving us your time. If you have questions, if you have prayer requests, uh, if you have Something you would like us to talk about, possibly uh, email us, uh, email me, Paul, at thewarriorsrising.com. Uh, just continue to do the things that you guys are doing. We are definitely getting emails, and you guys are sharing your stories. And I know that Lena and those guys are doing some pretty amazing things, yeah. and that Bible study was phenomenal. So greatly appreciate you guys being faithful to carry out your mission that God has given you. So continue to do that. All right, guys. Have a great week. This is Paul, Warriors Rising, out.